Hey, ho, what's going on? Good evening and welcome to tonight's show. We are talking Ramones again. Not only are we talking Ramones, but we're talking Johnny Ramone. We just did a whole episode about Johnny Ramone, but we're back again with another one because when I was doing that one, I discovered an interview that I've never read before from Rolling Stone magazine from 2002 that absolutely deserves examination for the simple fact that, you know, 2002 is when Dee Dee Ramone died and, you know, Joey Ramone had most recently passed away, you know, uh, the previous year. They got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Johnny would be dead in two years. Uh, it's kind of, it's a pivotal, it's a pivotal, it's a pit, oh, I can't say that word. It's a pivotal, it's, wow, 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 wow. Pivot, pivotable, pivotal, pivotal. It's a pivotal time. You try saying it. You try saying pivotal. Pivotal. It's a pivotal time in Ramon's history post-Ramon's. How about that? Okay? So, you know, almost you got uh, two of the original four OGs are still around at this point. And uh, Johnny did an interview with Rolling Stone about a re-release for Too Tough to Die. We talked about Too Tough to Die. I personally believe that Too Tough to Die is the last really, truly great Ramones record. I, I as I've said, I like, I like something from all the Ramones eras. I, man, even in uh, you know, even on like uh, what is it, uh, Brain Drain, yeah, Pet Cemetery. Um. Animal Boy has Bonzo Goes to Bitburg. Those are two of their finest Ramon songs at a time where, you know, Ramon's writing was really, really tired and outdated. So, but Pound for Pound, Too Tough to Die, I think is their last cohesive, you know, onslaught of an album, you know, where it just has so many tracks that are great. No Go, Endless Vacation, Warthog, um, Planet Earth 1988, Howlin' at the Moon, love Howlin' at the Moon. It's just got a bunch of stuff. And it also features actual writing from Johnny. Johnny is writing with Dee Dee. They're, they're close again. And maybe that in part had to do with also the fact that Johnny Ramone had almost died. And we talked about that in the previous episode. Go see that. Uh, we're currently running a contest right now. I said I was going to be doing it every day, but that has proven much harder than I initially thought. And so we're still doing it. We're just not doing it every day. Basically the way it works is uh, you can win a free t-shirt if you answer a trivia question. And that will be at the end of the episode. Let me play the video that gives you the rules and regulations of how it's played. I'm going to be doing a live show every single day. I'm going to be giving away a t-shirt. At the end of every episode, I will ask my trivia question. You will send your answer to fromismail at gmail.com and the first person to answer correctly will be the winner. You give me your name, your address, and your t-shirt size. If you are outside of the continental United States, you will have to cover shipping and handling. Join us night after night where I will be doing t-shirt giveaways who doesn't like a free t-shirt i'm not gonna go easy on any of you i'm gonna ask really hard questions so be prepared
Okay, so now you understand how the game is played. I have my trivia question picked out already. You got to send me the email afterwards. Additionally, keep your eyes peeled. A, if you're a YouTube member or Patreon member, I have recorded a whole bunch of new secret shows, the first of which has gone up, and there's another one scheduled down the pike uh, covering that very secret topic that we have been secretly discussing on the secret show. So if you're curious, uh, buy a ticket, go behind the wall, and uh, check out the archive. It's an archive full of stuff that you will not find on my YouTube channel. So if if you do enjoy the content here and you need more of it, that's where you go to get it. Additionally, Mad Max, the novelization, the first part, that drops tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled for that. If you enjoyed the Return of the Living Dead novelization reading. Okay, I digress. Housekeeping over. Let's dive into this. This is, this is from June 24th. 2002 so it's 21 years ago can you believe that was 21 years ago that that's the type of thing that makes me feel old i was 16 years old at the time fifth no yeah 16 going on 17 my god how times times change huh boy where does the time go okay so i also had to do it like this because uh that stupid uh rolling stones paywall so this is johnny ramon stays tough Ramon's guitarist reflects on Dee Dee's death in the difficult 80s by Colin Devonish, June 24th, 2002. More than 25 years after taking rock back from the bloated excesses of the likes of Yes and Sticks and essentially invent inventing punk rock, the Ramones again find themselves very much where they began as critical darlings and commercial underdogs. With two, of the bands, with two of the band's founding members and principal songwriters recently departed. That's right. The, the songwriting core of the Ramones was gone by 2002. Joey Ramone died from complications of lymphoma last April, and Dee Dee Ramone died of an apparent drug overdose earlier this month. The surviving Ramones will see their classic efforts again hit the pop market with the second batch of vinyl release reissues. So these Rhino reissues, if you were around back then, and if you were a Ramones fan, and this is just around the time I started getting into the Ramones, they started doing these incredible reissues. The Ramones had um, deep studio vaults. It, maybe it had been bootlegged previously. I don't know. But we were starting to get these wonderful, wonderful archival re-releases. They were The albums were remastered, and then there was always a second disc Full of goodies. You had, you had like demos and like songs that were recorded, like songs that came out on later albums. That like I think like touring. To I forgot what out al what album touring came out of, but it was recorded about a decade prior, and there was like a, a different version of the song. So just like various stuff. Like for instance, Road to Ruin was great because. Road to Ruin had that um, had the full five songs from Rock and Roll High School, the movie, the uh, the live concert, the actual live recordings from that show, and uh, there was a great early live show from '76, I want to say, on the Leave Home reissue. They were just fantastic. In fact, the Leave Home reissue was an astonishing like thirty or forty tracks. Now, back in the day, when you're buying CDs. And CDs cost like $18 at this at this time. They can 
They could. 1699, 1799, eight Remember that? Remember how terrible it was? I mean, <laughs> you know, you could buy a, a reissue of your favorite record and it's 12 tracks and it's like $30. But the difference there is that's like something that will appreciate in value. And it's, it's different. It's like you're buying an art piece. It's not the same. Hi, Laura. Laura Connor says that they are living on a Chinese rock. The uh, we we actually covered the genesis of that song, and why Dee Dee Ramone hated Johnny Thunder so much. So check out that video as well. Point being is they were putting out these gorgeous reissues, and this is Johnny doing an interview to publicize the too tough to die one that came out and it was, it's great. It's got that. That's got some great demos on it as well. <clears throat> but what's interesting, what, but the other thing that's interesting about this is this is, this is a, a peek inside of Johnny Ramone's head after losing his former bandmates. Now we've heard, you know, he didn't go to Joey's funeral. Well, we'll listen to him probably talk about it. Well, I'll just, let me just read read the thing um laura dd uh dd is at, was absolutely correct johnny did steal dd ramone's song he absolutely did that was a song that was written by dd ramone with a few lines from richard hell that was co-opted by johnny thunders when richard hell brought it into the heartbreakers in 1975 watch that episode we we really go into the nitty-gritty we read from the the book i can't say the title out loud we, we go into the whole thing all right, let's 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 continue on here. So you have the second batch of Rhino reissues, 1980s, end of the century, 1981's Pleasant Dreams, 1983 Suburban Jungle, uh, 1985's Too Tough to Die. There's also Ramon's tribute album coming out featuring disciples who have sold plenty of records. U2, Eddie Vedder, and Marilyn Manson. I think Kiss, Metallica. Um, Iggy Pop, there's a lot of there's a lot of people on that tribute, and that's the um, man, when did that come out? Yeah, that came out right around this time, 2002. I'm trying to remember the name of it though, the, the actual name of the tribute. One week before Dee Dee's untimely death, Johnny Ramone spoke to Rolling Stone about the 80s reissues and his band's legacy. A week after Johnny's death, sorry. What am I saying? A week after Dee Dee's death. So a week before Dee Dee's death, Joey, Johnny Ramone spoke to Rolling Stone about the 80s reissues and the band's legacy. And then a week after Dee Dee's death, I guess they went back for comment from Johnny. Johnny reflected on his former bandmate. So this is really interesting. This is a retired Johnny Ramone reflecting on his bandmate, Dee Dee Ramone, which I guess, you know, if you've read Commando, you probably have a good good idea of what his feelings were about Dee Dee back then. Crap, did I not do this thing on the thing? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Was that not on? We got to double check this. So what do you think of the bonus tracks included on the reissues? I, I, I They are, yeah, it's, that is good. Um, Johnny says... <clears throat> There's some songs I don't even remember hearing before. I was glad they found the demos on Too Tough to Die. Dee Dee singing Danger Zone is great. Some of these things I hate, like the cover of the Rolling Stones Street Fighter Man. That's right. There's a Street Fighter Man cover. I envisioned Dee Dee singing the song, and then all of a sudden one day when I wasn't around, Joey went in and sang it. 
and had them mix it and mixed the overdub guitar up. It wasn't at all what I had envisioned. I wanted the overdub guitar down. I wanted it to be a punk version. I wanted Dee Dee singing it. It was the only way I agreed to do the song to begin with. It sounds like a bad high school band doing Street Fighting Man. I hate it. Maybe some people will listen to it and like it. Now, you know, it's uh, something else to, to note. Hey, Angus, how are you tonight? Hope you're well, buddy. Something else to note about uh, Johnny Ramone. We said this with the last the last thing we did with Johnny Ramone, talking about Johnny Ramone. By the way, I did buy that book from The Girlfriend. I bought the book. So we'll read the book, and I'm going to read the book, and we'll talk about that book as well. I bet we're going to get some interesting stories out of that. Um, I, You know, Johnny didn't had no ego when it came to that sort of stuff. When it came to who's doing what on records, you know, again, like totally having Walter Lure from the Heartbreakers come in and, you know, just do guitar solos that he he just didn't care. He just didn't care. He was more of a project manor, manager. He was a leader and a project manager. Just want to make sure that the Ramones product was what it was, even if he wasn't on it, you know, that sort of thing. Um. So a whole bunch of songs I liked didn't make it onto the records for some reason. Pass This Way in Danger Zone with Dee Dee singing is great. It's more punk. I almost want to try and do a a Johnny Ramone like I did last time. It's more punk. It's more punk. The, the version that made it to the record with Joey's vocals is more polished. No one to blame. Roots of Hatred. Bumming Along. Unhappy Girl. I totally forgot about these songs. I don't even remember doing them. And I'm on them. All right, I don't know if that's good. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Uh, is there anything here that will surprise people? Um, Johnny says, at first, I'm always against bonus material because there's a reason why it didn't come out. But then I'm listening to some of this stuff and a lot of it's interesting. I guess I'm okay with it. Chop Suey featuring Blondie's Debbie Harry and the B-52's Cindy Wilson and Kate Pearson. That's pretty bizarre. I don't like it, but I guess it will surprise people. That was aggravating. I probably was trying to get out of there as fast as I could. A lot of the stuff went on after I left the sessions. I thought maybe I wasn't even on it, but I do hear me in there. The, they mixed in, they mixed my guitar down. There's so much junk over it. I, it was probably a very low point in the Ramones career. Everyone had different ideas. We were all on different light wavelengths at that point. But at the same time, he's writing with Dee Dee Ramone. So I don't know. At the same time, we were probably getting along the worst we were getting along. But uh, I don't think, huh? I don't think any of us were talking to each other. On Too Tough to Die, things were being done by individuals without the approval of everyone else. By the time, oh, by the time, oh, okay, okay. I, I, I was like, I was like, I'm not crazy. By the time of Too Tough to Die, we were getting along better and things were improving. So he's talking about the earlier like subterranean jungle and pleasant dreams and, and that sort of stuff. Interviewer asked, do you feel working with Phil Spector who produced end of the century was something that could have brought you mass appeal? We end of the century, super polished. If you're not familiar with it, the, the infamous stories of, of being held at gunpoint being held hostage by Phil Spector while he listened to Baby I Love You, which he, he wanted to make Joey like a star, like a solo act, listening to Baby I Love You over and over and over again. Um, Johnny says, that was the thought. Yeah, because we had avoided doing a record with him on 1977's Rocket to Russia and 1978's Road to Ruin. 
See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that they had considered Phil Spector for both those records. Looking back at it, I'm glad we worked with him because he's a legendary producer. And the fact that we completed an album with him at, uh, blah, blah, blah. and the fact that we completed an album with him and all that. But at the time, I wanted the Ramones to keep as much control over what we were doing. And we were starting to get pressure from the record company. A tough period was starting because I didn't really want to work with Phil Spector, but I knew at that point by our fifth album, we were going to need help because I had already thought we were going to become big and I would be retired by my fifth album. I mean, that's what he was doing. He was always working to retire. That's all, that's all he ever, that's all he ever, you know, thought about. How you doing, Winston Smith? Greetings to you. Hey, Winston, we started that. We started Mad Max, the novelization, by the way. I know you like that novelization stuff. So we started on Mad Max. Um, yeah, he was he was always working to retire. He 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 said in his book, I just need to make a million dollars. I can retire once I get a million dollars. That's all Johnny ever cared about. Mm. That is good seltzer. It's really hot here, and the seltzer is really cold. But I knew at that point by our fifth album, we were going to need help because although because I already thought we were going to become big and I would be retired by my fifth album, and then I could see that we were in trouble. By the next album, we weren't really getting along, and then we started to get refocused again and started looking at better times. It started with Subterranean Jungle and then Too Tough to Die. They're good albums. Uh what was it like working with Phil Spector asks the interviewer uh, and Johnny says painfully slow and stress. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, painfully, painfully slow and stressful. We were, we were used to working at a very fast pace. He wasn't a pleasant person. He was nice to us, but he was just so horrible to everyone else around. I heard that he's pleasant. Now it must've been the abuses he was going through personally, you know, substance abuses or something. I'm not sure what, but there were demons inside of him. I had a hard time. My father died in the middle of the album and along with Phil's basic unpleasantness, it was hard. He was trying to separate Joey from the rest of the band constantly, constantly, Joey, 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 which I'm sure, you know, what's interesting. I, I don't know when the rift between Joey and Johnny started before Joe, before Johnny stole window away from Joey. That, you know, and that created the famous grudge in the Ramones. Did Johnny start to resent Joey by the way that Phil Spector was treating him during the making of End of the Century? That's some, that would be an interesting, you know, who could answer that would be Mickey Lee. Mickey Lee, Mickey, uh, uh, Mickey is uh, Joey's brother. He would be able to answer that question or Monty, I guess Monty. But I think, I think Mickey, maybe Mickey more, who knows? Um, we did have Monty Melnick, the Ramones tour manager, on this channel, and you should go and watch that interview. Here, here, a legend, a legendary uh, uh, person discussing legendary shit. I mean, dude, if you've been around for every Ramones show that ever was, you are a legend. I mean, that's uh, at least now, today, maybe not back then. Um, so, so Johnny here is saying that Phil Spector was trying to divide the band, and we didn't need that. You have to keep people's egos in check. In check, it really worked when he got a slower song like Danny says. The production worked really tremendously. 
rock and roll radio is really good for the harder stuff. It didn't work as well on, but it was overall a good album. I had left because of the stress I was under. And once they were going to bring in an orchestra to play on baby, I love you. I said, there's no point in me playing on this song because my specialty was not called for on this one. Now, again, that's what I mean by the, 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 you know, the ego stuff, any other guitar player might fight and go fight tooth and nail and I'm, and Johnny most certainly had an ego. That's not to say that he didn't, at least from everything I've read from him. But I'm just saying in this aspect, it's like he just didn't care. And I thought that's, I think it's pretty profound in this kind of, you know, musicians can be very, a very vain lot. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, once they started bringing in an orchestra, I ain't playing with no orchestra. That's not me. Um, and that's, you know, again, for a band that people, you know, it's not the Ramones weren't trying to sell out. They were just trying to be, you know, they were trying to do the thing that was truthful to them, but they wanted to be commercially viable and they wanted to be rich and they wanted to be big, but they wanted to be big in their own way, doing their own thing and not somebody else's thing. Although I would say that end of the century is probably the closest that they really come to bending, you know, for the sake of commerciality. But even here you have Johnny walking out on a session. Cause he's like, I'm not, that's not me. I'm the buzz. I do the buzz saw Ramon thing and that's it. What's your favorite of these records? He says, probably Too Tough to Die. I just felt like we had gotten back on track and gotten focused on the Too Tough to Die album. It was an experience. End of the Century is a good album. There's good things on all of them. During Pleasant Dreams, we weren't really communicating. He's just saying the same thing over and over again. We had uh, Graham Goldman as producer, and he was a very lightweight pop guy. I knew I was in trouble immediately on the first day when he said, your amp is buzzing too much. Can you turn down your volume? Yikes. It was a long session. He wasn't really right for the Ramones. That's all. We had no choice at that point in time. As far as producers, once you don't have the commercial success, it's hard to maintain as much control over things as you would like. But by Too Tough to Die, we had gotten back to working with producer Ed Stasium and Tommy Ramone. And that was a good move. Subterranean Jungle would have been basically a pleasant experience, but we were having trouble with our drummer, Marky. He, he, was, he, he was kicked out of the band for being an alcoholic, uh, Marky Ramone. He was, placed when, he was replaced when the sessions ended, and you, can, oh, you see him on the cover of Subterranean Jungle, separated from everybody else. Otherwise, it was relatively pleasant. We were starting to get back on track. Me and Dee Dee were at least talking at that point. Uh, was there a staple of your Ramones experience that at any given time there was somebody you weren't talking to? And he says, oh, yeah, it was probably very rare that we were all talking from the get go. And he goes, no, for the first four albums, I think we were basically friends at heart. We got used to working like that. It got harder when the records had to be made. Playing live shows didn't matter. Records were always better when we were talking. Those are the better records. I can tell how things were going by how the record sounds. I could put the record on and say, and tell, oh boy, we weren't talking on this one. Adios amigos. We were basically all talking again. And I was happy with that one too. So it's interesting how he notates that too, the first four albums. So end of the century, when Phil Spector comes into the picture and he's telling Joey, you could be a star, you could be your, a solo guy. That's when, you know, things start to go cold. That's And then shortly thereafter, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a couple of years, year, two, three years, whatever. 
uh, that Linda, Linda and Johnny become, you know, a, a permanent thing. How did you get involved in the upcoming Ramones tribute album? Uh, Johnny says, I was approached about it and said, yeah, I'll be involved, but I have to have full say. They said, yeah, fine. So I said, I can get Eddie Vedder, I can get Rob Zombie, and I can get the Chili Peppers and Marilyn Manson and Metallica. I told them right away who I could get, and they said, whoa, that's great, fine. So that's how it developed. Right, the Chili Peppers, did the Chili Peppers do Havana Affair? I'm trying to remember what song Kiss did. I don't know. Winston says, I love a lot of End of the Century, but I've been rocking Mondo Bizarro also recently. Mondo Bizarro is the covers album, right? That's the covers record. There's, wait, there's Acid Eaters. Acid Eaters is the cover record. Mondo Bizarro is, no, yeah, no, Mondo Bizarro is the cover record and Acid Eaters is the, is, has originals on it. The interviewer asks, I heard you encouraged bands to come up with drastically different takes on the originals. And Johnny says, I tried whenever possible. Some bands are going to be more Ramones-like. But with other people, I said, just try to pretend you wrote the song and you never even heard the Ramones version, which I think is a pr is pretty good advice for approaching a cover. But I love how it says Ramones like in the same way that we have Beatles like there like there are certain bands that bring and that's why the Ramones are so great. There are certain bands that bring a style and aesthetic that is so signature to them and who they are that they become a verb. It's like you see it all the time in filmmaking. Like Stanley Kubrick, Kubrickian. You have Lynchian, David Lynch. It's a Lynchian film. It's a Kubrickian film. Hitchcockian. These are things. Spielbergian. These are these are aesthetics and styles and you know schools of 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 thought around the mastery of cinema that are applied and you know uh, are, are have the 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 filmmaker who you know innovates that style, generally takes ownership of it. I guess I that's the way it is with anything, really. But it's most certainly true. You know, you hear that term like Beatle, Beatlesque. You also have just like, you know, Ram like Ramones core is like a whole subgenre based around, you know, the Ramones aesthetic. So this idea of Ramones, like, you know, really is a testament to, you know, the profound impact that they have as a band. Um, I, Rob Zombie did Blitzkrieg Bop. Marilyn Manson did the KKK took my baby away. Those are pretty bizarre. You're going to have to hear them. I can't describe it. Rob Zombie sounds like Zombie doing Blitzkrieg Bop. It doesn't resemble the same song. Eddie Vedder's version of I Believe in Miracles sounds like the version I wish we would have done. It's just a punk version. We were holding back. We were trying to make a commercial and this and that. And Eddie, he just did a punk version of it and sings it great. It's what we would have done if somebody wasn't saying it's got to be this speed. We're going to get to the click track and measure the right speed. They were looking at it as a single and doing it like that. The Pretenders version of Something to Believe in is great. I never liked that song, but whatever they did to it is great. Eddie Vedder has the distinction of the last official, I should say official because it's you know, they they uh, they they played. Apparently they played a secret show or two after that final show in Los Angeles. The we're out of here show. But the final song on we're out of here. This could have been the trivia question. It's not going to be the trivia question that I have for tonight is so hard. 
It is a Ramones trivia question, and it's something that we have mentioned before on the channel when discussing the Ramones. We'll see if anybody gets it right. It is searchable on the internet if you can find it. I'm, I'm, I'm only putting that out there because of how friggin' difficult this question is. But it is available. The information is available. Um, but it's Eddie Vedder who sings on the last Ramones song, uh, Anything You Want. That's it. That's the last. That's the last one. Um, interviewer asks, "Are you working on any projects right now?" And he goes, "This is enough work. I hope I'm not involved in any more projects." Um, talk about Didi Ramone and his contributions to the Ramones. And Johnny says, um, "Well, you know, when talking about Didi, it's uh, you know, th these are sticky things, and you know what else is sticky." riot stickers and i'm sure if the ramones were still around and they were and johnny was looking for a really good deal on really cheap stickers that had really good quality to them he would use riotstickers.com he would take advantage of the fromis riotstickers.com deal that we have you go to down link is in the description go to riotstickers.com backslash fromis and you can get a thousand stickers for 79 dollars. do the math on how many cents that is per sticker Go ahead. Think about it. I mean, it's you just cannot beat seven cents a sticker. It's unreal. It's unfriggin' real. Uh, they are printed on vinyl, which makes them essentially waterproof, and they have the UV coating over them to protect them from the sun. So they do really well in the outdoor climate when you stick them around. So check out this special deal today, ridestickers.com. Let's play a little theme song. I'll take a sip of my seltzer, and we'll get back to Johnny Ramone. Also, make sure you stick around to the end of the episode and we ask our trivia question and you have a chance to win a free From Us t-shirt. You've seen the design. Go back to the beginning of the episode. I'm not going to play the video again. Winston confirms that it is Acid Eaters. Acid Eaters is the cover album, not Mondo Bizarro. Uh, Angus corrects and says that in Johnny's day, it would be approximately 3.5 cents per sticker. Dan says, uh, bad, bad religion. That's what it was called. Thank you, Dan. It, the, the, the tribute I had, I have it somewhere. The comp, uh, we're a happy family. Yes. No, but that's the name of the tribute as well. The, 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 the album is called we're a happy family. Um, so, oh no, this is for a 1991 tribute. Okay. never mind. But I do believe that that tribute that we're talking about right now from 2002 is called we're a happy family. I couldn't think of the name. It's we're a happy family. Uh, but he's saying that Bad Religion covered that in 1991. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I had my facts all screwed up. All right. So what does 
Johnny Ramone on what does Johnny Ramone think about Dee Dee Ramone and his contributions to the Ramones? Johnny says, Dee Dee was a very unique character, the most influential punk rock bassist. He set the standard that all punk rock basses, bassists look to. His songs weren't like anything else, just crazy, crazy stuff. Like the highest trails above on Subterranean Jungle album, even 53rd and 3rd and things like that. Just everything, the whole structure of the song, the whole lyrical content. We, we don't know of anything else like it. He was a great lyricist. I'd write something like Warthog and I'd give it to Dee Dee and go, here's a song called Warthog. And then he'd have the lyrics down and he'd just open up his book and just start singing a page out of his book of lyrics. He was really prolific as far as coming up with the, lyric, with the lyrics constantly. And I think he influenced every punk bassist or every bassist who came to see him play. Dee Dee continued to write songs for the Ramones right until the end, the final album. I think he might have written six songs for the Ramones after he left. His songs were always my favorites. Anything I co-wrote, I co-wrote with Dee Dee. So Warthog is one of those examples of a Johnny Ramone, Dee Dee, Dee Dee collaboration. Warthog, they'd always open uh, the sets in later years. They'd open up with Warthog, especially in the 90s. Final that once again, we're out of here. That final record is that final record is called uh begins with uh Warthog, in fact. And CJ would take over. CJ, of course, took over singing the Warthog song, the Warthog after Dee Dee left the band. Um, you know, there's a very famous story about, you know, how did Dee Dee write Pet Cemetery for the Ramones? They were at Stephen King's house and he found the book Pet Cemetery and wrote wrote that whole song in like an hour at Stephen King's house. Isn't that unbelievable? Um, funny fact, the music video is filmed at the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, the old Dutch cemetery, right, you know, 10 minutes, 10 minutes west of me over over in that direction uh, where we where I have spent lots of time. Um. The interviewer asks, have you been in touch with him recently? And did you have any sense he was having problems? Had you been in touch with him recently? So this is after Dee Dee has died. And Johnny says, I saw Dee Dee about two weeks before it happened. I saw him on Hollywood Boulevard. We had spoken a few times. We were out for lunch before the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony in March. And I convinced him to go to it. Could you imagine being a fly on the wall? Uh, at lunch between Dee Dee Ramone and Johnny Ramone talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I ran into him a couple times at Amoeba Records in Los Angeles. We would see each other here and there. As far as I knew, everything was fine and I didn't know anything was wrong. I'm starting to look, I'm starting now to look into it a little bit and see if anyone knows, if, see if anyone else knows anything. I'm trying to speak to people who were a little closer. I've been working on that for the past couple of days. Of course, there were different periods of time where you could have expected something like this to happen, but Dee Dee was always a survivor, and so it came as a shock. You know, Dee Dee struggled, struggled. Is that it? Is that the end? Oh, man, that's all he has to say, huh? I thought there might be more. Yeah, Dee Dee always, Dee Dee always struggled, man, and, you know, he spent many 
there, he spent long periods of time while he was in the Ramones in, in recovery in, in some way, shape or form. He put time together and then it would garden of serenity. And then it would, it would come crashing down. And it just goes to show you like just the, the, just the tragic nature of drugs, man. And just when you think you could, no matter how many times you survive, if you, you know, expose yourself it's all it takes is one time to take you out. And that's what's happened to so many people. You know, I, I think one of the most famous examples of that is Bradley Noel from Sublime. I mean, just the, the tragedy of that whole situation. And it wasn't really, you know, tragedy in the sense that it was something that was inevitable. That the, that the whole, his whole family saw as inevitable, you know, so it wasn't overly shocking. You know, they were making their peace with that, you know, reality, that possibility two years before it had happened. And it's crazy now is, uh, you know, Jacob Noel, his son, who I love his music, Jacob, go check out Jacob Noel, Bradley Noel's son's music. He signed to Epitaph Records, speaking of bad religion, and, you know, Sublime was almost signed to the same label. All the Robin the Hood songs were recorded, you know, with Mr. Brett. You know, those were all supposed to be demos for what eventually would be there. That would be on that. Now, would it have sold as many records as it did under MCA? Who knows? I don't know. But we're here to talk about Johnny Ramone and yeah. Uh, so he doesn't even mention Joey Ramone's death, but we know how he felt about Joey Ramone. You know, he was inconsolable and but, you know, held up that same reserved, reserved, uh, you know, that guarded that that guarded sense about him when it came to Joey. You know, he had to stay on brand about it, but privately was was torn up on on some level. Angus saw Didi performing Kansas City circa the late 90s. Yeah, I mean, he was just out there playing as Didi Ramon. He had a he had a few different bands. He almost did a band with Gigi Allen. That there's like footage of them together. <coughs> I think there's recordings of them together. There's a documentary called "Hey Is Didi Home," and they talk about that briefly. And I think that was made by a guy Kowalski, Lee Kowalski. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I read on Reddit a story about this guy who said, I killed Didi Ramon. And, you know, I, I almost thought about covering it. But then I thought it was kind of like, you know, we do a little clickbait here and there. But I thought it was like such clickbait. Like it was it just would have been, it, you know, because obviously he wasn't responsible for Didi Ramon's death. Didi Ramon, you know, did it to himself. But he just thought that because he didn't order some pot seeds that Didi had asked for. You could go search, search it on Reddit. You'll find the, the this thing. He thought because he didn't give Didi Ramon pot seeds, he was supposed to special order them for Didi. Because he didn't do it um, in time, Didi fell back into heroin or something and did him, did himself in. Are we ready for the trivia question? I think so. I think it's time for the trivia question. So I'm going to ask it. Let me state the rules. If you have already answered a trivia question, just so you know, um, I'm going to be out of state uh, on by, on Sunday. I'll have a chance to slow down. I'll go through my computer. I'll go in and I will start to announce winners of t-shirts and things and let people know 
uh, or at least, you know, send respond to some of the emails, got a bunch of emails to respond to. Uh, So if you haven't heard from me yet, sit tight because you will. In the meantime, let me let me play the T-shirt thing for you one more time. I'm going to be doing a live show every single day. I'm going to be giving away a t-shirt. At the end of every episode, I will ask my trivia question. You will send your answer to fromismail at gmail.com, and the first person to answer correctly will be the winner. You give me your name, your address, and your t-shirt size. If you are outside of the continental United States, you will have to cover shipping and handling. Join us night after night where I will be doing t-shirt giveaways who doesn't like a free t-shirt i'm not gonna go easy on any of you i'm gonna ask really hard questions so be prepared okay here it is are you ready kids aye aye captain all right here it is johnny ramon he had a very famous iconic uh, uh guitar Go up for auction that sold for a million dollars was from Daniel Ray, who was you know a Ramon's Ramon's confidant, Ramon's producer, Ramon's co co-writer. He also he also helped out with those two 90s misfits records as well. Daniel Ray auctioned off Johnny's uh guitar that was on 15 albums and had seen action at almost every Ramon show there was. What is the exact number of performances that Johnny Ramon played live with this guitar in the band, the Ramones, the exact number again, Johnny's guitar that was sold for a million dollars, almost a million dollars plays on 15 albums. How many live shows did that guitar play with Johnny Ramon? From 19, I forgot what it is, from 1976 to 1996, something like that. Maybe it might have even been 75. How many live performances? The exact number. I don't want rounded numbers. I want the exact number. Email from us at gmail.com. Sorry, from us mail at gmail.com. Okay. If you've already answered, if you already answered a question and you haven't heard back from me yet, sit tight. If you got two right, I'm not going to give you two shirts. It's one shirt per customer. Got it? So just try your hand. I'll just automatically skip over you if you answered two questions. You answer both right. Go to the next one. The first timestamp that I see that has the correct answer will be a winner of a T-shirt. Okay? So thank you. Peace and hair grease. Hope you enjoyed tonight's show. We will be back with uh, Soprano Season 6 recap. Actually, we might do that in late July. Might be taking a little break. We'll see. We will see. Keep your eyes peeled for Mad Max 2, Secret Shows, all the good stuff. All right, everybody. Peace out. Peace and hair grease.